NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College. Thanks for joining us at NapaBroadcasting.com. I'm Jeff Sheckman. Every organization values all of its parts. But like any organization, sometimes there are those parts that are the proverbial crown jewels. It's not that they're better than other parts. It's just that they present something extra special in the totality of the organization. For Napa Valley College, one of those crown jewels is the Viticulture and Winery Technology Program. Sitting here as we do in the heart of wine country, we're reminded that community colleges were designed to serve the special and unique needs of their community, so that this program is an important part of education here in Napa. The program has grown, and now it seems time for expansion and improvement. Spearheading that effort has been the Napa Valley College Foundation, which is looking at a potential capital campaign and some bold, new, and exciting plans. We're going to talk about that today with three guests here in the studio. I'm joined by Gerard Martin. He is the president of the Napa Valley College Foundation, Bill Hardy, the immediate past president of the foundation, and Paul Gospodarsik, the head of the Viticulture and Winery Technology Program. It is my pleasure to welcome all three of them to NapaBroadcasting.com. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you here. Bill, I want to talk uh, first with you because this kind of started under your term as uh, head of the foundation. And talk a little bit about the origins of just the idea and how this all began to bubble up to the surface. Well, as as you probably know, the the Napa Valley College Foundation is in the business of uh, supporting the college in several ways. First, we give out over $200,000 worth of scholarships every year. Uh, out of the endowment that we maintain and and preserve. And then we do support for programs. We have a a lot of programs that we support on an ongoing basis. But we decided it was about time we did something that made a larger footprint. And so we wanted to start a capital campaign in the most important, uh, not necessarily the most important, but certainly the most uh, signature uh, part of uh, Napa Valley, which is the wine business. And we have a top-notch viticulture program uh, led by Paul and and others, which is uh, A, needs to be advertised, and B, needs to be enhanced and expanded. And they need space. They, they were, they're busting at the seams. They need uh, better equipment. They need better space. And we thought, well, maybe we can do this on a private basis, go out and raise the money, and get the space that they need and help to enhance the program and to make it into something that we, we're all going to be really proud of. Paul, talk a little bit about the size of the program now and, and ultimately some of the things that you would like to see expanded and grow within the program. Well, for the last 10 years, the program has worked with between 400 and 500 students on an annual basis. And that, that's individual students. They're taking multiple classes. And we go through three different tracks with that. We've got wine sales and marketing. We've got viticulture, which is grape growing and enology, which is the winemaking. So we cover from the time we've been think about planting grapes until the time that the customer is enjoying it right out of the bottle. And we have these different tracks, but at this point we're, we're limited to two specialized classrooms within the program. And so there's this giant juggling game uh, that we play on a semester basis of how do we get three tracks of students through uh, kind of focused, limited space. Um, and not only that, the space that we're using is some of the oldest space on campus. So a, a 
I mean, it's incredible how many people in the Napa Valley have actually sat in what we call the agriculture lab, the ag lab, which is one of the oldest buildings on campus from before Napa Valley College was even a college. And it used to be just an old shed that got converted into a classroom, yet it's been in those seats and in those chairs where a good portion of the Napa Valley has actually sat at some point and engaged with the community and engaged with the instructors to learn more about our industry and more about how to drive quality within our industry. So what we're really hoping to do is is expand out the number of classrooms so that we've got a classroom for each one of those tracks but then also get some spaces that are really well suited for tasting wine and evaluating wine so an old shed is maybe not the best environment to be doing critical analysis on, on some of the best wines that are being produced in the world here and and abroad and so we're hoping to get two new classrooms that are larger format classrooms that will really be conducive to sensory analysis Gerard, talk a little bit about support within the wine industry in maybe preliminary conversations that you've all had, and and what kind of support is there within the industry as this being an important program for, for the Valley? Oh, I think there's a lot of support within the industry. I think Bill has had conversations with several uh, key people in the industry and, and has uh, felt that it's viable, that it's, it's something that we can accomplish. So I think there's there's a ton of support. I and why wouldn't there be? I think it's great. I think it's a, a a good thing to be doing. Bill, talk a little bit more about that because you did have some of the early conversations. Right. Uh, we have an ad hoc group, which uh, I sort of assembled, and, and uh, it was eight or nine of us, and now it's like ten of us. Uh, it was interesting. To give you an example about the support, I asked eight people if they would, they would help us with this project, and all eight said yes. And there are people who are winemakers, who are uh, one ex-CEO of a, of a major winery, and, uh, and a couple of professors at, at, at here and at other schools. And uh, it's, it's a really good group, and we have, uh, we have in mind a lot of people that we want to speak with to see if they want to partner with us uh, to do this project. The, uh, uh, that rollout we're hoping to happen in the, in the next couple of months. Right now we're in the process of getting a, a, a firmer cost estimate so that we can when we go out to ask for funds we can give people an idea about what it is we're seeking have you determined yet how big an undertaking this is yeah we've determined it uh in terms of what's the physical size is uh the the amount of budget that we need is not is not particularly uh definite right now it's probably in the millions certainly in the millions the question is how many millions and it makes a difference obviously mm -hmm. uh to, especially to the people who are writing the checks. So uh, uh, we're hoping within the next month or so that we'll have a firm estimate and we can provide that, and then we can we can start uh, uh, beating the bush, bushes mm -hmm. to see who's interested and who would like to help us. Gerard, would this be something that the foundation is taking on in its entirety? To what extent would the college be involved? Might this be part of a bond issue down the road? How does that all fit together? Uh, no, this wouldn't be part of a bond issue. And, and yes, obviously, it's, it's with a partnership with the college. Um, I think the foundation is very committed to this. It's something that, that, you know, you mentioned Bill started in his presidency. I've certainly carried it forward and, and presidents after us because this isn't going to be a one-year project. Um, we're looking at several years for this, but I think that this is something that the foundation is definitely behind. It doesn't mean that we're going to stop doing scholarships and anything else. We're still mm -hmm. going to continue all the good work that we do for the college. Mm -hmm. How many students are in the program now, Paul, and how many would you like to be able to accommodate at some point? We are over 400 students at this point in the program uh, for this year. If we had three classrooms 
that were 50 people apiece. We could have 150 students uh, taken care of in the program uh, every single night of the week. And we've got afternoon classes, we've got morning classes that we're teaching. But the key thing is that the majority of our students are adult, non-traditional learners. So they're working full-time. Uh, so they either have to take time off of work to come here, or they finish up their job during the day, and then they come here and spend the evening with us to learn. And so what we're really trying to focus on is serving this incredible group of students and, and meeting their needs. And I think when we do that, we're going to grow. And I think if we have the 150 student capacity on an evening basis, uh, we're just in a great range to, to grow and expand. And But the key idea is meet our students' needs uh, for their careers and their, their aspirations. You've been here, I guess, what, about a year now? Year so and a half. I, I don't know what, what the case was before, but has this always been a program that attracted an older group? more industry professionals, young professionals in the industry, or was it more student-based at one point? Just curious. Uh, I think it's always had a really broad draw, mm -hmm. anywhere from 18 years old to 75 years old, all within the exact same classroom. And that's part of what makes learning so fun, because we've got a lot of maturity in the classroom. We've got a lot of professionalism in the classroom that shows uh, some of our, our younger students uh, that are getting adjusted to their careers and professionalism. It shows them a different way to live. It shows them a different way to approach their education of really valuing the information. I, I, I joke that this is barely teaching, because students, they show up, they do their work, they have good ideas and questions. It's It's... A dream job. Mm -hmm. Bill, talk a little bit about the fact that there's an architect that's been brought in and there have been some design work done and, and various yeah, other the, aspects of it. Th this is all uh, funded by the foundation. None of this is funded by the college at this point. All of that will that will change once we start doing the fundraising and mm -hmm. we get some private funding. We've hired an architect from St. Helena, David Hannawalt, and David has uh, come up with some excellent drawings and, and really gotten into it uh, uh, really getting gotten involved in it on a personal level and really tried to figure out what the best thing to do is and uh, we've, we've been very grateful for him and and uh, he's you know he's been there every step of the way so far the important thing for, just to get back for a moment to what Paul was just saying the reason that the VWT program is so important is because one of the things that that has sometimes been lacking in this school and other schools is community contact and there's no way that the interchange between the community and the school goes in a two-way street as much as in viticulture. Because as Paul was suggesting, there are people out there working all day and they're coming and taking courses at night and uh, they're going back to their jobs and so they're, they're sort of advertising Napa Valley College. We want them, when they go back to their jobs or when, the, when they learn the job in the first instance, to have a real sense of pride that this is a really world-class organization and, and that uh, and, it, and, it, and it looks like a world-class organization. So uh, uh, that's was really the impetus behind what we're doing. The overall thrust of the foundation has been to create more community contact. We are the, we are the uh, liaison between the college and the community and uh, we want that liaison to, to be stronger and better funded, you might say. Gerard, what is your sense as to how long this whole project will take? Well, I think it'll, it'll <coughs> definitely take several years. Um, I'm hoping we can do it as you know as soon as possible. But we all know that things don't move as fast as we'd like them to move. <laughs> Nothing does. I think we're you know as as Bill said, we're we're getting out into the community and we're talking to a lot of people, and a lot of people are very excited about the project. Do you have a sense of how much you think this will ultimately be, or is this still a work in progress in that regard? Uh, you mean the cost? Cost, yeah. Uh, it's, 
We were talking at one point about five or six million dollars, but it could be significantly higher or lower than that. Mm-hmm. Probably not significantly lower, but it could be could be somewhat higher than that. Uh, we won't really know until we get some firm estimate from uh, a professional estimator, which is the next step. And uh, the the facilities manager at, at, at the college, Matt Christensen, has been a wonderful resource for us, and he's and he's helping out with that as well. Uh, and w- we have obviously this is a, essentially a college project. Once it gets mm-hmm. underway, our job <laughs> is to raise the money. And uh, once we do that, once the money becomes available, then it's going to be pretty much in the hands of. Uh, of the college, and Matt uh, is certainly going to be intricately involved in it. Paul, talk a little bit about your opportunity to design this program around the buildings and the buildings around the program. I mean, it really have that opportunity to bring it all together in that way. One of the major initiatives that we've been working on is, is enhancing our wine marketing and sales uh, program. And so part of the way we want to be involved in students' career is through our program and through our degrees being able to set them up to go out and have industry participate with industry trade organizations to go through their qualifications. Uh, I, I taught at another college and we were one of the few culinary programs in the United States who had students actually passing the certified sommelier exam, which is hmm. that's, that's the second level. You, you, you pass the first level and that means you, you took the test. But at, at the second level, that's when you actually get to start wearing the pin. And that's a, a really valuable uh, qualification. It's really valuable for their career development. And to me, uh, that's part of the overall sustainability of our industry. I mean, we're part of sustainability from a viticultural aspect, from an enological aspect, and then also from sales and marketing aspect. We need skilled people that are communicating our story, both our brand, but then also for what the Napa Valley is. And so we want to use these spaces to really contribute to that sustainability and the growth of our industry. And, of course, the sales and marketing side and learning about that has become a bigger and bigger part of the business, as is discussed by every winery all the time here. Well, and it's a huge growth uh, goal for many learners that are early on in their career. Uh, You know, a lot of us have gone through the stage where we're really focusing on career building and getting our qualifications and our degrees Mm -hmm. and our certifications and all that. And so there's a huge growth portion in the overall industry right now of, of beverage service and um, a lot of people are trying to become psalms, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are trying to compete at, at higher levels and offer more to their employers. So it's a really neat thing to be involved with and have um, some of our existing curriculum, but we're getting all of these new specific wine regions classes taught by just some really fantastic instructors like Wines of Italy, Wines of France, Wines of Germany in place. Um, so it's, it's good education that's right in line with their goals. Bill, how can people stay on top of what's going on, people that might be listening to this that want to keep track of, of what's going on and uh, see where things are. Well, there's been some uh, publicity in the in the local newspaper, mm-hmm. and we intend to, to generate as much of that as, as the paper will print. Uh, we, we also uh, will we'll do some website work on it as soon as we get a little bit more precise idea where we're going. I, I neglected to mention earlier that we're also going to be doing a, a tasting room, which feeds, mm-hmm. it, feeds into what Paul was just discussing. Uh, the, the important thing about wine, the wine business, as you've just uh, implied from your conversations with members of, your, of, the, of the profession, is selling the stuff. Selling right. wine is half the battle. You've got to make great wine. You've got to sell it. So we want to sell more, more Napa Valley College wine. And uh, these guys will make great wine. I've, I've had Paul's wine. It's very good. <laughs> and uh, uh, the question is, can we get it marketed and sold? And, and the tasting room is an integral part of that. Mm-hmm. 
Paul, it's actually a good opportunity for me to mention, if people are interested in finding out more about the wines here and maybe want to buy them or taste them, how do they do that? Well, we've got a website. We've got all sorts of contact information for me and the, my team that I work with, but we're also having Mayfair coming up May 12th from 3 until 7 when we're launching all of our new wines for 2017. So it's, it's open to the public. We'd love to meet anyone who's interested in learning more about the program, our wines, and our awesome students and the work that they're doing. Great. Well, I thank all three of you for coming in and giving a preview of this campaign. And when it gets up and running, we'll uh, we'll pitch harder. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, thank guys. You. Thank you. You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com.